the next episode is sponsored by Tap and Bottle in London. Hi, I'm Sophia Longhi. And I'm Ben Franks. And welcome to Wine Flight. Each week we're going to face off with two bottles of wine each and our special guest is going to pick the winner. This week our special guest is Chris Pacharana. Let's take off. <laughs> right, go for it. Okay, so who have we got this week, Sophia? Okay, this week we've got Chris Pacharana, a Hollywood screenwriter. Hello, Chris. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Nice to have you. We're in Tap and Bottle in London. Very exciting. We're going to drink yeah. some wine today. Are you a wine fan? I am a wine fan. Thanks. Yes. I'm looking forward to all of this. Actually, I read on your Instagram you're a wine dabbler. I do like <laughs> the word dabbler. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so, uh, in what context do you dabble? Well, I. I <laughs> I uh, I write about wine as well, like uh, for such notable websites as Ben Frank's Wine, and, oh, and I've written hello. for Noble Rot and some other sort of like you know some Italian magazines I've done that for, and, um, and I did my WSET Level Three last oh. year as well. So to sort of formalise my yeah. interest, Are you know, you, uh, so I'm like a reg like a registered person who knows what they're talking yeah, about now, certified. in theory. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I always call myself a certified wino, so it sort of gives you, you know, yeah, exactly. a balance to do that. But um, yeah. are you going to do your diploma? Probably not, just because I think that the, for, 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 what, for what I wanted, I think I wanted to formalise my education from to be less anecdotal and to, to be more structured than that, um, but also I think for my, for how it serves me, I don't think the diploma is particularly, it's going to be, it's a, it's a big ask. Uh, and you're to, pretty to busy that. at the moment. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know where I would fit that in, quite honestly. But, um, so how did the link to wine writing come from screenwriting? What, were you just drinking with a script and you went, cool, this is a good thing to write about? I mean, <laughs> like, that is part of the gig. I think like in the beginning when you, there's always a kind of, the notion of writing and being a writer is kind of synonymous with drinking and food and being a bon vivant. And I think when I was younger, I really sort of like wanted to be like Hemingway. That's kind of what I thought that I was, you know, yeah. you have this idea of without, yourself. Without the end, right? Without the end. <laughs> it's, well, the, I mean, it's early the, days. The first it's early days. Um, but um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, there's a kind of like romanticized notion of, of a writer and there's a yeah. romanticized notion of drinking. Were you like this 18 year old at uni, like sitting with your scotch in, in your dorm? And <laughs> I wish it was as cool as that. Um, but, like, um, with curtains closed in the middle of the day. And I wish I was just 18. I wish it was not significantly older than that. But I think it was, um, I think, yeah, I think you have this idea of it and it wasn't, and I, and I also thought that the thing about writing is that everyone says, write what you know, but most people's lives are not sort of inbuilt to, to have all these experiences. So I thought very early on that it was important that I would kind of like go out of my way to have as many new experiences as I could and anything that I was interested in, kind of like the, the doing the WSCT, anything I was interested in, I kind of wanted to know more about it. Mm -hmm. So about in 2009, I went to work in a vineyard in the Cote d'Aron, just because I thought it was this very romanticized, I had this very romanticized notion of what it's going to be like. Yeah. I thought I would, first of all, I packed for the French Riviera. <laughs> like, and, and I thought it would be like, you Stripey know. Stripey t-shirt, beret. Again, you're giving me way too much credit, but it wasn't, it wasn't in that. The shorts were definitely there. Deck and shoes. The, and the, and the, and the flip-flops. No, I'm, I'm way too working class for deck shoes. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I thought it would be like, you know, have a sip of wine, pick a grape. Have a sip of wine, pick a grape. And it was not <laughs> no. that at all. It's yeah. farming, right? It's it's yeah. just fun. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I did think you have that thing where because I I did a harvest once in the Beaujolais region and nice. everyone that worked there before they were like day four you'll hit your pain barrier like it basically oh, just okay. get, it's so painful on day one day two day three and then you do go through something on day four where on day five you're kind of like you know a superhero right. yeah you're just <laughs> yeah. fine you're feeling the pain you're enjoying it well I I. I, I, yeah, I didn't realize I was supposed to be up at like 4.30 in the morning. Like, yeah. <laughs> first of all, when it was like freezing cold and I thought, what have I done? Why have I, why have I volunteered for this? Miserable. Yeah, and it was, you know, you'd work until 8.30, 9 o'clock at night. You'd have maybe like, you know, oh, you got two breaks. <laughs> but no, I mean, it was, it was, it was great. But, you know, for, for starters, they, 
there's a very French way of life, which is that you work really, really hard and you have like a 50 minute lunch break. But that lunch break is like three courses mm. with like wines per course and coffee and cheese. And it's yeah. like, that's like just living for, for them. And so I, I kind of learned a little bit about like, this is what, this is how you should live in amongst working really, really hard. Um, and I think it wasn't so much the pain barrier, but I had a, because I had this romanticized notion of it, I realized very quickly that I was wrong about everything for starters. Yeah. And then it almost became romantic in a different way because I realized it wasn't this, because I think wine tends to be that has this kind of very ethereal idea about it and that people have this kind of um, notion that it's like magic in a mm. bottle, which isn't. And it's, it's expertise of certain groups of people and the labor of many, many more. So mm. what I realized is that it's very much like a working class pursuit. It is very much like this is just for the people. And when I look at a bottle of wine now, mm. I don't look at it as this like, you know, this sort of bottled lightning. I look at it like this is the product of the love and labor of mm. many, many people that had to go into this before it got to me. Yeah. And there's something very romantic about that, but it's a mm -hmm. very kind of blue collar notion that m than, than I had before. And I think unless I, unless you go mm. there and you see it, yeah. I, mean, I wouldn't have realized that. And said like, it's, it's the work of farmers. Yeah. yeah. Do you think that's slightly at odds with the barrier to actually own a vineyard? You yes. know, the fact you need money, you have to yes. have money to make wine. Yeah. So unless it's, it's, it's passed it? down through families, like mm. in France, it's just, mm. Um, you know, vineyards that have stayed in the, and that's the only thing that they know. And actually they, they're not trained in anything else. So mm. you have that just juxtaposition. Mm. Well, I very, I, I've always had a little bit of a bugbear and this is a personal thing that the winemakers and the people making the wine don't have their name on the label. It is the landowner, right? So the landowner might be doing nothing at all, but takes the credit for all this. Mm. And that is a, again, it, it that's probably like, I'm gonna, I made a decision I wasn't gonna talk politics at all today. So, um, <laughs> but that it. is kind of like, <laughs> that right. is kind of the issue is that like, you've got like one person who is basically benefiting from the, the labor of all these people that's, and taking the credit yeah. for it. But the people who are actually integral to making it are nowhere to be seen. Do you think that's also part of being a writer though? The fact that the ownership of it should belong to the creator. So the person who made the wine and created the wine should own it and be credited with it? Potentially, potentially, yeah. yes. But I, I, I think also it's, it's, there is, I think the winemakers do not get more enough credit mm -hmm. in, the, in, in the making of wine. So now, because obviously like now, I'm, I'm a big believer in, that the more you know about a subject, the better your experience is. So now like I, I tend to seek out winemakers and especially if they're like, you know, sort of like locoming from different vineyards. I'll be like, oh, well this person made this. So I wanna see what they make in this other place. You know, that that is suddenly like a, now an interest of mine, which yeah. I probably wouldn't have before. But also I, th I don't think it's necessarily like the idea, the notion of authorship in terms of like why I think it's important to me. I think it's just about people getting credit for the work they did. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that is in life not represented enough. I think I would say like in the new world, I mean, it's sort of like, maybe it's a fashion thing, but I've definitely, I can picture it now, like the signature of the winemaker mm -hmm. on the, the back I definitely of the definitely noticed it more in the new world. Yeah, yeah. for sure. And, um, and even and like supermarkets are cut, like I'm thinking of like M&S, they've always got the signature of their white, the chief winemaker. But then again, the chief winemaker may be the person overseeing everything. It's kind of like the director mm. of the movie, I guess. But then they might not be the one in the winery every day and all of that. This is, um, isn't it also a hangover from the kind of celebrity chef vibe of, okay, let's have some celebrity winemakers and you get rock star garage winemakers, all this sort of stuff. And it's part of the brand, right? It's the, yeah. well, it's the romance of it, but it's also the, um, the kind of buzz of a lot of these things to get it in front of people is, oh yeah, I'm going to buy from people. And this is a tiny too. vineyard I've never heard of, but that winemaker is cool as hell. Let's go for mm. that, you know? Um, so it's nice to see some of that alongside all the tradition things as well. But you know, could winemakers quite... be the next rock stars? Like, how, I mean, can you believe chefs 
that became like <laughs> that chef's got there because like mm. every sort of you know weekend program on tv now is all about cooking and chefs and yeah I mean, chefs are treated like you say as sort of rock yeah. stars and they come into bars and restaurants and things so yeah can, can we make winemakers <laughs> for next why next not day? yeah yeah, a good bit of brand and a good bit of music, and we're always <laughs> there, right? You're just like, what about film? <laughs> Can we not be the next one? I think that's becoming a little bit more, even that, I think, is, a, is becoming a little bit more visible. Like, because I think the, as, as the emphasis has moved on to television as opposed to cinema, because at the moment, if you go to the multiplex, it's primarily a certain kind of movie gets a big release. So it'll be like a big comic book movie or whatever. And that's you know, that's another issue. But in television, it's really writers that have the power. So therefore they become the person now that someone, you know, 15 years ago, no one was saying, oh, it's the writer of this show. And that's why I'm gonna watch this show. But now that's like a selling point, mm -hmm. you know? And, it, and it, it was actually the social network where, which David Fincher directed. But I think by his own request, he had Aaron Sorkin's name above on the poster. And I think that was about like sharing credit, which is like a very nice thing to do. But also I think it just demonstrated that this was a shift in power and a shift in authorship to the idea mm -hmm. that like this is a shared notion. And I think in, in television that's become increasingly obvious and you know, fairly, I think. Yeah. So the social network was what, 2010 sort of time-ish. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you kind of had a bit of a screenwriting career, then drifted into wine and then back to screenwriting again. How much has it changed from the first to the second part, if that makes sense? In the last 10 years, for example, have um, you seen a tangible difference since that no, started coming? No, I think, well, for, for, I mean, to be honest, like it's, screenwriting has been the constant. It yeah. hasn't been, hasn't been a drift in and a drift out. It's just, I think that the pandemic changed things for me personally in terms of the, the problem with, I'm not, I've been a very sort of like, I'm probably one of the few writers that other than the first script I uh, I wrote, I've sold every single thing I've ever written, which puts me in a very small bracket. But, I, I'm, you know, the, the problem with that is that the difference between selling and the difference between finishing and getting a film made is such, there's such a gulf between those things. So to put that in perspective, there's something I'm just finishing now, which we expect to shoot in February. I got hired for that eight years ago. Mm. You know, so it's like, so in that eight years- Is it years, development hell that they Well, it. it's, it's, it's not, no, it's not that. It's not like, because development hell suggests that there's like, you know, changes of producers and changes right. of like, um, of, of where the money's gonna come from and, and things like ebbing and flowing. It's more that, you know, when I started, it was a very small movie and a very kind of like a very small canvas of very little money. And I, and I guess it turned out so well that suddenly it became a bigger thing. And then that required more money and it required bigger stars and bigger directors. And then, you know, over the course of eight years, we've, you know, we've seen directors come and go. We've had different cast, you know, at times, but also the notion of the world has changed, you know, and even myself, like I'm a different person writing that, finishing this draft now as I was eight years ago. So, part of that means that it's a different story. Oh, that's almost. strange. So do you ever look back at, say, what you wrote eight years ago, and is there a cringe factor to that? Oh, ever? yeah, I hate it. Oh, <laughs> of course. Because, yeah. like, me eight years ago, yeah, I'll be like, oh, I think sure. about, like, stuff I wrote two that. years ago. You know, <laughs> or, like, you know, and I, and I think that, you know, that, that people say, um, people find it very hard to be self-critical. I'm not one of those people. So as soon as I'm finished with something, I, I'll step away from it, I'll be happy with it. And then when it's time to like do revisions or to rewrite it, it's dead to me. Like I'll be like, I'm like, I wield a red pen, like this like sword of doom. I'm just going <laughs> through it going, okay, what is absolutely necessary? I'm wow. not precious about it. And, you know, I think that you have to be self-critical and you have to be honest with yourself about it. Um, but I don't think I answered your question at all there, but um, in terms <laughs> of, I think in terms of the in terms of the the way the industry has changed, I think partly that is down to streaming. I think partly that's the shift of emphasis from movies to TV. So, and also the way that people consume it now. So, it didn't used to be the case where you could 
do 12 hours of television and some would watch that in a night. Mm. You know, yeah. we'd have to wait every week. So the, the way we consume it would be like the anticipation of waiting a week for yeah. that next episode. Now, you don't even wait two minutes because like, Netflix yeah. has already teed it up for you. Yeah. And you're going, well, I guess I'm here now. You know, <laughs> it's 4 a.m., but we've got this far. You know? Yeah, but whenever you have to do that and wait for the next week or at least a few days, it's such a, I mean, I love that experience of like, you're just, it just, you just absorb it a bit more, don't you? And mm. you might be doing something really mundane and then you're like, oh yeah, and you're thinking about the characters and yeah. you're, you're wondering what they do next. So I really do value that, that space between sort of episodes, but Very much so. that's not how yeah. many people. But I think to our, to our detriment, because mm. I think that there's so much, so much goes into like every decision, every line, every image. And the fact that like the notion that like somebody can like just flip through that mm. and not really take anything in or maybe even have it on the background <gasps> to doing something else. I just don't, I just don't think that that's all watching their phone. Can you imagine <laughs> like, like, I, th that I, that you know bothers me on a, on a like personal it's on a like, tiny so, screen. Yeah, even with even when I like because you know I write magazine articles and stuff. If someone was like, I was like, did you write read it on your phone? Is that on the tube? Is that what you did? <laughs> like, go back and do it again. Like, did you, you know. not like candle? And yeah, exactly. Did you not consider every morsel? Um, <laughs> well, let, let's do something that doesn't require looking at your phone. Okay, drink some right. real physical wine. Yeah, so that that will make wine. us. Uh, that will bring us back to the real world in the moment, right? Okay, that um, sounds great. I've got a Camtel Valley Austrian uh, cuvee for you. So it's a white, it's called Mont Blanc. Uh, and then this is uh, Gruner Veltliner, Riesling, uh, and lots of other local grape varieties. Nice, fresh style. Uh, I'm going to give you a little taste of this. Is it a natural? It is natural, yep. Yeah. Uh, low intervention, uh, organic certified. Let's have a taste. So, cheers. Cheers. Salut. Cheers. Cheers. So, I mean, I like Gruner a lot. And Camto is just that slightly fresher, greener, crisper kind of mm. world. Um, you follow the Danube River and you just get riper and softer and more peppery and richer as you get closer to Vienna. But this has a kind of nice freshness about it. We were, we were both very polite with our slurps when we tasted. Yes. I've heard, I've heard the recording of mine. I'm not going to be polite. I'm, I'm going to taste this properly. Yeah, get in there. First impressions, guys. What were we thinking? Cause zippy. Zippy, yeah. It's, yeah, it is, though, isn't it? I like the nice. tasting that you dropped. It's, I, I, I like it. It's, it's grassy, it's peppery. Yeah. Um, it's quite salty, isn't it? I, I, yeah, there is nice a saline to it, yeah. I really like that salinity that you normally only find in volcanic areas, but the lower soils across the top of the Danube, they've all got that similar kind of mm -hmm. nice salinity on the finish. Just keeps it going and going. You've still got it. Nice kind of yeah, very like clean. It's very, very pleasant. Yeah. It's a nice one to have first up. Good. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully it's memorable enough that by the time we drink all the wines, <laughs> it comes out 10 out of 10. That's what I'm hoping. <laughs> Um, you are drink, you on a losing streak now? Uh, I am at the moment, but I'm, <laughs> I'm bringing it back with this. <laughs> Do you drink much natural wine? What's your, what's your opinion on that whole kind of natural wine scene? Um, I'm not, I, I must say, I'm not a massive natural wine person. It's not to say that I'm averse to drinking it or trying it for free. Um, but like, um, it's, yeah, I, I wouldn't, I'd say that not because I'm necessarily like a, a traditionalist I don't have any necessarily like any kind of um, ideological issue with the notion of natural wine it's just I think that I keep trying so many ones that are either underwhelming yeah um, and then and then people will say oh but it's meant to taste like that. I'm like yeah but it doesn't taste good so like <laughs> you know whether it's meant to or not yeah. that's sort of largely irrelevant to me um, and I think the one that the natural that I tend to like the most tend to be ones that sort of taste a little bit more traditional and a bit more yeah. zippy, right? Zippy <laughs> seems to be the key <laughs> takeaway that you're trying to like stealth in this. And grassy. Yeah, yeah, yeah just better of, yeah. generally. Um, but yeah, again, it's not it's not something that I'm averse to. I I'm I would like to try more good ones. Yeah. Um, but I think uh, the taste 
is evolving, like um, with organic wines as well, you know, a lot of winemakers say sort of 10, 20 years ago, they just weren't tasting right because the vines hadn't, um, you know, got used to the, the change of viticulture. Oh, really? Okay. And so now they, they get into the groove, they swing things and, um, and really coming into their own. And I, yeah, I think that that might happen with natural winemaking as well. Like you say, I've tasted a few that are tasting more traditional and you wouldn't even know that mm. they were natural wines. So maybe that's what people are yeah. aiming for. I think I agree. I think the best ones are the ones where you can't tell the difference unless someone's yeah. told you afterwards that this is yeah. natural low intervention. But everything is still well made, like this one, where it's yeah. <laughs> really Very well balanced. I wouldn't necessarily yeah, yeah. Have, have, <laughs> have, have guessed that that was a natural, yeah. generally. I, don't, I think it's, it's well made, it's fresh. Uh, yeah, I, I, I like that one. Nice. All right, what have you got to say? Oh, Show us okay. uh, what it's going up against. So, um, I haven't tried this wine before okay. until the little mini tasting we just had before the, the podcast. Um, but I, I was attracted to it because it's from Oregon. So, I love American wine. Um, and it's something new to me. Like, I don't know loads about American wine, but everything that I'm tasting, I find it really exciting, different. Um, I love Oregon Pinot Noir. Um, so this is, yeah, something that I haven't tried. So the blend is Chardonnay, Gewurztraminer, Muller-Thurgau, Pinot Gris, Riesling, Semillon, and Muscat Cannelli. Okay. <laughs> so we have both bought cuvées, but you actually know what's in yours. <laughs> <laughs> I do or I don't have Correct. the list. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's called Evolution. Uh, the vineyard is Sokol Blossa. Um, and they're organic and it, this is actually well maybe I won't tell you yet but yeah maybe try it first okay yeah <laughs> let's give it a taste and uh, see what you think but did you oh so I haven't poured you it yet <laughs> <laughs> oh maybe you shouldn't have I was like what is the podcast taste? etiquette saying my glass is empty <laughs> I'm putting it up now just, just <laughs> <That's> <laughs> hold it up oh really sorry. is that right okay. Okay. this is yours yeah, yeah? yeah. okay thank you. thank you very much so smells the great. Ben has many glasses of wine in front of him. <laughs> <laughs> it's just practice. So this does smell great, annoyingly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, a lot more tropical on the nose, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Um, lots going on. I oh, think. And I don't mean this in a bad way, but you know those little fruit salad sweets that you used to get, and you opened it up, mm -hmm. and you got that mm -hmm. smell. I've got a lot of that. Yeah, kind of, I mean, that's yeah. that. And so you've got, I don't know the proportion of the blend, but um, like Gewurztraminer is a real love-hate grape, isn't it? And like, if you if you don't love that florality mm. or the sort of Turkish delight thing, um, you probably won't like it. But I think it's used really well in this. Like, you can't really... I, mean, I think you, you get like a little background thing, but it sort of enhances everything else as opposed to being the dominant feature to it. Mm. See, I always get worried when muscat is involved because I feel like it's a bit of a, for me, it, it's like a floral, slightly enveloping variety. If you've got too much in the blend, mm -hmm. you suddenly just have flowers and softness and it's kind of eaten everything else. Mm -hmm. In here, it's right on the finish and it's kind of like a fresh... Yeah. lift to the whole wine because you always get a bit of that bitterness that I assume is Muller-Thurgau or something but you get a bit of bitterness and then it kind of flows into yeah. a bit of a flower garden that's a bit nicer mm. on the, oh, on the flower garden I like yeah. that not, not to uh, big up your wine but it, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it also the problem good. is that I spend a lot of time in California and I do like American wines a lot yes, yes, yes. so <laughs> you, you kind of you know um, and this is I think largely because the I think my tastes are a little more obvious, whereas I, I think excuse me, are <laughs> you saying my taste? <laughs> no, my, as in like the difference between say like a Oregon Pinot or a California Pinot and a Burgundy Pinot is such it's, there's such a there's such a big difference. I think it's just more Burgundy's a lot more subtle, a lot more delicate. There's a, obviously the higher up you go. The, the the more complex it becomes but i think that there's something maybe my my taste a little bit more prosaic i just like Pretty obvious yeah i think it's like <laughs> this, this, the, the, yeah i think the the climate stuff it tends to lend itself towards jamming a fruit yeah which it's I, which very I like. like fruit forward yeah, yeah. Isn't it? and and beautifully ripe fruits but i think there's um still a kind of elegance to it i mean 
this is sort of volcanic soil as well, mm. so you kind of get that cleanness to it. Um, it's natural. So, um, yeah. again, not the best <laughs> But not an obvious natural. <laughs> Unfined, yeah. natural yeast, um, hand harvested, um, and organic. That's got to be bingo, hasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's got everything. Okay, so I don't think don't... it's vegan as well. Oh, okay, all right, all right. Well, yes, don't... it is. It's vegan, <laughs> and I read about you being plant-based. Yeah, well, <laughs> unfortunately, between me writing that article and me being here now, Have I'm, you had a steak? I, I'm no longer plant-based, um, which I kind of knew was going to happen. I was like, even as I was writing that last paragraph, going, "Well, maybe I will break," and I was what like, oh, "I'm definitely going to break." Okay, just for the listener, mm. on my way here, I was reading um, an article that you'd written did for you Ben Frank's I bet you did, didn't you? Um, <laughs> I, no, I, I lit a candle, I had a cup of tea. Great, great. <laughs> I was in the bath. No, I was on the way. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but yeah, it was a really great, funny, uh, amazingly written article about your plant-based year. So, um, so was it literally just a year? <laughs> a year it was on... a bit over a year. Okay. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, I think before, prior to that, I was probably the least plant-based person you can possibly imagine. I mean, St. John was my favourite restaurant. So mm -hmm. nose to tail was always like... But I love how you wrote in the article, no, what was it? Arsehole to ear hole. Arsehole to ear hole. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, you know, I, I, uh, I don't discriminate. Give away with words. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and yeah, I think, I think you can... You, you can be, uh, you know, very sort of highbrow and eloquent so long as you can do the other thing. Um, and... Uh, you know, also, I just, I'm just glad that I got to write the entire article just so I can have that one line review of John Lennon's Imagine. I was like, that seems worth it, you know. I did have to say, having read that and also listened to Imagine quite a lot, and now I've listened to it and I go, oh yeah, shit, Chris doesn't like this. Yeah. <laughs> quite quite brutally dislikes this stuff. Yeah, very much so. It's, it's uh, just yeah. this, yeah. I, I, I mean... Oh. Shame. It's and it took, do you know so what? Well. There's so many songs in the world. I think I'll be okay. <laughs> it took me about like nine or ten goes before I found the line that was like <laughs> the the one. I was like, yeah, that's it. I oh, that. yeah. Um, but yeah, I think um, it was a sort of like you know ethical pandemic related decision. But I think you know for me it was food and. Obviously, the reason I wrote it was how it affected my wine choices and drinking choices. But food is such an integral part of like joy in my life that I just removed this entire portion of my life that I just enjoyed. And it wasn't like I had anything to substitute it with. So I just kind of, you know, mourned it, you know, and um, and it wasn't an, it wasn't the easiest fit. So I had to be kind of very regimented and disciplined about it. Um, but interestingly, because I always had these, this kind of like ethical notion in my head before, I just walked past Borough Market today and having now started to eat me and being like, okay, I think, you know, maybe if I just do it in, uh, in smaller doses, even though that's not really what's happened, um, <laughs> but um, I, I've definitely like fallen off the wagon. I was watching a butcher sort of essentially just like, you know, de-sheath a hide off a carcass. Wow. And I was like, I need to stay and watch this because I need to make sure that like, I'm okay with this morally. Mm. And I did not feel good about it. Right. I did not feel good about it. So you're going back to your goat moment. So in the article you're yes, talking about- Yes, you did read it. Yeah. You did, yeah, it's very thorough, yeah. Did. Ben didn't. I did. <laughs> hey, I edited it <laughs> and then made no changes. <laughs> <laughs> no changes. Um, so just for people listening, yeah. tell, tell everyone about your goat so moment. So funny enough, I, I wrote, wrote an article for Noble Rock about this, where I was concerned about um, I always felt that like that vegans had the sort of ethical standpoint and they had the moral high ground and I didn't really affect it did, it didn't really um sit well with me despite the fact that I ate meat so I kind of was like well I need to like really confront my notion of like where food comes from and if I have a problem with it then I really shouldn't be eating meat so I went to a farm in France and watched a goat slaughter just forced myself to watch a goat slaughter to see if I how I felt about it um, and if 
I felt bad about it, then I really shouldn't, have, I don't have any right to eat meat because that is part of the process. And I felt like it was sort of like passing the buck morally. Like, so if somebody else is willing to do it mm. and it gets to me in this vacuum packed thing and I eat it, I feel like I'm not culpable, but I am because I'm sort of contributing to this. And I watched, and this is maybe 10 or 12 years ago, something like that. And I watched it and I was really nervous because one of the things is that, um, you know, baby goats are called kids, right? And when you go to like this, like very kind of like quaint farm, it's not like a factory farm. They're all just like nuzzling you. And I didn't want to like, like pet any of them individually, just in case I was like marking it for death, you know? So I was like, just don't befriend it. Just don't give them names, just don't do anything. And, um, and when I saw it, it was, they kind of used the, the like oxygen gun from like No Country for All Men. Mm-hmm. And it was over so quickly. And I was like, yeah, okay, I'm okay with this. Mm-hmm. And I was not the reaction I was expecting to have. Maybe because it was so humane and so kind of like swift that I felt okay with it. And so that kind of like, would that have been like that's the best death that's the best possible life and death yes absolutely so it's not indicative of fact so they've been um raised on a kind of beautiful farm and in a yeah yeah, lovely way yeah they live better than me okay yeah yeah Um, so so that okay that's interesting well they did so they got shot (laughs) right exactly exactly um so yes they they it was the it was the the most um what's the word uh the kind of the most innocent way I could have seen it. But I kind of just, I used that to give myself permission to not confront that issue again for the, until the pandemic. Um, and then once I sort of, I suppose the, once we were sort of confronted with these notions of, you know, um, wet markets and um, think everything that sort of the pandemic kind of, brought about like where our food comes from the way we live i started to revisit this issue and and if you read the article which i'd recommend you should um (laughs) uh you know i i think that i revisited the issue and i felt that if i saw that thing again i wouldn't feel the same way about it so that was sort of integral of me thinking okay so morality can shift um but my life was infinitely worse by every definable unit of measure bar that because of, you know, and again, this is just, that's just a personal thing. For a lot of people, it wouldn't make too much difference. But yeah, it was interesting because I, just the fact that like, we're talking about it now and literally like 10 minutes ago, I just, and I was like, I just got to watch it because I don't feel good about this now. So now, once we're done, I'm gonna have to wrestle with this again. Because <laughs> like, I don't know yeah. whether that's like a lifelong. Well, like, I look wrestling. forward to next year's article. Yeah, my, exactly. My second yeah. year as well. Yeah, <laughs> my year-long penance. Yeah. Um, yeah. We're gonna drink some uh, red wine, Sam. Um, I have something a bit unusual because I'm not a Merlot fan, which I think I've told you before, and. Uh, have I told you before? No, I didn't. So I, I have this weird relationship with Merlot where it tastes of one thing. It doesn't matter how beautiful what is the, the Merlot. What is the thing? It's plum. Just, it's oh, all okay. variants of plum. Plum juice, plum What's skin. What's wrong with plum? plum? It's just, you know, I want something something more. <laughs> okay. It's hard to find it. but You're I very much ostracizing your plum farmer listener. I know, base I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. If you've got a plum farm, uh, plant Merlot. So uh, <laughs> I've got this uh argentinian merlot and i'm determined to give it a chance because this is 2018 thank you there's a bit of maturity on it it's got new oak it's coming from norton who are if anything reliable really reliable uh winemakers um and it's got this beautiful purplish color and if you're after good merlot these guys should be able to do good merlot it should be full soft spicy nice oak integration and not Mm. too tannic now it's had a bit of time to rest, so. I mean, that smells delicious to me. It smells it's pretty gorgeous. good, doesn't it? They've got so, that smoky cedar thing going yeah. on as well. Yeah. Both gone quite big on the red, so I'm just hoping this is big enough and soft enough. Ooh. Yeah, well done. <laughs> That's good. So is this from... 
Did you pick this before or did you get it from top and bottom? No, so this is from top and bottom. Um, what do you think? First impressions. Over to you, Chris. I like it. It's not overly funny at all. No. Um, good acidity. I believe it's nearly 15%. It's got a hmm. softness, right? Wow. A good kind of bit of purity. Like very soft. That's I feel like I want to eat all the salami. But <laughs> <laughs> so, I think you're going to feel even worse with mine. Yeah, I'm just... <laughs> you're having on the steak course. People, anyone who's read the plant-based article is like, oh, he's one of ours. I'm like, no, it's fine. <laughs> that's it. I, I mean... Could, Mm. I can see the salami thing because you've got that almost smokehouse vibe going on mm. with the wine. And if you had the right kind of maybe a bit of fennel in the salami. Oh, it like a little really hit work. of sweetness. Yeah. And a, a bit of um, herbal notes. Definitely. I mean, can you, is the plum vibe, is it too strong for you? Because there is plummy. I have got in the size of my cheek like uh, someone's wiped plum skins on it. I don't know how <laughs> that would happen, but I've got plum to... But I, I actually like the meatiness of this mm. wine. It's got a real kind of meaty body that actually lifts it a little bit away from that. But I've, I've got plum skin cheeks, yeah. Mm. I can feel it. <laughs> I can see it. Your cheeks, yeah, your cheeks the Merlot is, is seeping through my face. Uh, <laughs> it's not just the sun coming oh. in on here. But yeah, I mean, how does it compare to reds you normally drink? I probably wouldn't have bought this. Uh-oh. Uh, but no, as in, turns before, out, like, it's, before, it's before I, before, I'm, I'm saying that as in, like, <laughs> I wouldn't have necessarily picked this off the shelf, is what yeah. I'm saying. For not dissimilar reasons than you've articulated. Um, I think that the reds I tend to sort of, like, go for tend to be a little bit more on the jammier side. Mm -hmm. A little bit... Um, Uh, yeah, it's 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 pleasant. I think I want to eat with it. Yeah, that's my sort of takeaway. And it might just be because of the acidity and because of the high alcohol content. Um, but that's not again. That's not a criticism because I think like wine and food is meant to go together. It's not always that I'm going to yeah. have a glass of red by itself. That actually <laughs> seldom happens. Sorry, I'm just saying. I, but also, we're looking at the whole board, <laughs> right? Like, it's not I, like... I should have bought some steak with me. I should have gone to Borough Market. You should, yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> I did like, go You see to that Borough carcass, Market. it just got skewed, you know, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Here you go. <laughs> yeah. Try that. Again, that's not that's not a pejorative. That's just... Yeah. I think... It I, certainly won't, you know... The colour is draining from your face. <laughs> yeah. Good, good. <laughs> yeah, the is going now. It's going. <laughs> All right, what did you bring, Sophie? Come on, let's, um, let's see what you've got. Well, I just bought this in Borough Market and I should have picked oh. up some cheese and salami. <laughs> um, this, I think, is probably, it's probably heavier. It's probably more your steak wine. Um, so I did my little trick looking at that article to see whether you uh, dropped your favourite wines. Oh, did you really? Oh, wow, you did your research. I did. Like a wine but, spy. Um, I was looking for an upper cab, so I did. I asked for an upper cab, um, and they didn't have one. Um, and then I, you did mention Malbec. Um, so I picked this because Uco Valley, so great area of Mendoza, high altitude vineyards. Um, so you got that little bit of kind of um, better acidity up there, a um, little bit more kind of granite type thing, um, and I. I think you know, you know, violets and cherries and, and all of that, but but yeah, a little bit kind of fresher, a bit yeah. more. I don't know. See what you guys think. I've, I've got lots of black cherry already, like that kind of tangy but tangy but rich nose, where you have, you know, when the cherry is properly ripe but it bursts in your mouth, it smells like that. And that Whether it tastes like that, I don't know, but it smells like that. You know what smelling it? I mm. thought it was. It, I thought on the nose it was more like a Carvel's Malbec, but it doesn't taste that way. Yeah, sorry, I didn't even say what it was. So Argentina, right? Uh, yeah, but it's so it's called Ease Vino, um, 2021. So it's really young, mm. but I think it's lovely and integrated. It's soft. 
it, there's no greenness to it, which mm -hmm. I think you can get with Marwet sometimes. It's definitely on the jammy. We're in the yeah, jammy it's world. Right. Surprisingly so, given it's so young. Uh, Sophenia family. Um, so obviously I picked one because the name is similar to Sophia. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I was just reading that they have like this rock star winemaker. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe it's a, a Bordeaux superstar, Michelle Rolland, as a consultant. Oh, yeah, yeah. But the winemaker, just a shout out to the man on the ground, uh, Matthias oh, really? Michelini. I mean, well, that doesn't I, I, mean, I could do that. We have just by doing that, you know. Like I'm a big, you know. I, I think that the process should should be democratised. So. <laughs> well, look like here, that. look. I've got the signature oh, of, of my winemaker. I've got Gnot Langs Swarovski. So there okay, you go. he is he is that winemaker. He's that winemaker. Don't let him down, Chris. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> well, the other, the other reason I chose Malbec as well. I mean, it gets a bad rep in sort of sommelier circles because it's a very approachable wine people that are first getting into wine they they love malbec and it gets a little bit of a there's a bit of a snobbishness from people in wine like oh they like malbec oh that's a surprise you know that sort of thing but i think elegant sort of sophisticated malbec you know this is about i think it's about 18 quid so it's it's not cheap but so it's a bit more of your premium malbec and i think so much character and they're so versatile um, and they're just, you know, the premium Malbec wines from the Uco Valley, really well-made wines and great bang for buck, like really good value for money, I think. Mm, so like from yeah. a, an older world region, you know, this is 18 pounds, but it could be sort of double that or triple that, you know, that sort of quality of wine from somewhere else. So. Yeah, definitely. Well, I'm so, it's interesting that you said that you, you picked it because you read the article, because I'm not necessarily like a big Malbec guy. I, yeah, I use that as, a, as the classic example, <laughs> mostly because, you know, when you, you go out for like a steak with your friends and everyone's like, oh, let's get Malbec. I'm like, great. Welcome to the land of no imagination. <laughs> um, you know, so, Me. You, you know, um, and, and so generally, like, I'm sort of like, in a, I suppose, you know, not in a particularly snobbish way, but it's like, if that's your sort of go to, without thought like it's as if like all Malbecs were created equal which they're clearly not as all wines exactly. are exactly um it's it's very similar to you know I, I think I'm just suspicious of people going for things that are popular like mm -hmm. when someone says uh oh my favorite film is the Shawshank Redemption I'm like great you've seen one movie <laughs> you know like that that just tells me that you've only seen one good thing and everything else has been you know trash it's a great film yeah but maybe like widen a canvas <laughs> before you start making these like you know and i think that malbec tends to be the thing that people say yeah. oh i love malbec i'm like yeah because you keep ordering it oh you know but it's approachable for a lot you know lots, that's why it's a bit of a gateway so i think it's like you go in a malbec sort of arch in a way <laughs> Okay. Like a character arc, as in oh, like nice. it's, nice it's yeah, <laughs> as in it's approachable and easy, and then but then the more premium Malbecs are kind of a bit more like oh wow this is really something special. So, so you could go for the the character arc of Malbec. Mm. Or the David and Goliath story. Or, <laughs> uh, you know, um, I like how you're trying to ingratiate yourself by building narrative into because, this. Because you're like, he'll, he'll, he'll mine, mine well. is like Pretty Woman in a way because she is approachable, but you think, oh, she's just a silly, pretty girl, you know, at the beginning. And then she has depth yeah. and character as story well, goes on have you seen the movie dodgeball because this is an underdog story and it's all, right. all about you know our references Merlo, are more than that <laughs> Merlo, <laughs> pushed out you know you're judging us for our references <laughs> yeah. like, oh god she's pretty um, <laughs> no no yeah in fact like uh i i sold a, a a tv show um just before the pandemic to a studio and when they flew me over they put me up in the hotel that pretty woman is shot in and i was like <laughs> I made it, you know. Um, I mean, that is pretty cool. Yeah, it was very cool. I mean, I, def I definitely didn't get the same sweet. Yeah, I actually think this is a, it's a pretty, it's a very nice glass of wine. So, it is actually. I think I they're was, both pretty. pretty I was a bit worried that because um, I was talking to him and I was buying it. He was like, it's pretty punchy, and I was like, oh, damn it, like it's going to taste, 
you know, not great without food. But I think it's really, I mean, I think you should have food. It's 14%, but I mean, it's, it's very soft and drinkable and... Um, yeah, stiff competition. There you go. I also just realised I used the word nice, which is like my bugbear. It's like that's not a that's not a just, just, just get the red you know. pan out. The word. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Can I go back and I just scrap the word nice? Um, yeah, I think I think that that's probably surprised me how much I like that. So oh, when I was dear. reading Chris's article, he was saying that um, when he was sort of. Finding himself, he thought he was like a, a three, he considered himself like a product of a three-way affair between um, Hemingway, Kerouac and Bourdain, Anthony Bourdain. Brett. So um, I thought that was really interesting. And also, I, I think every sort of, I, I did creative writing at uni and Jack, oh, okay. I loved Jack Kerouac and it, it did force me to go on, not force me, inspired me to go on the road. Oh, but nice. um, I'm not going to say Jack Kerouac is one of mine because I bet I'd like to know. <laughs> I, I think I you should start. I mean, the person who brought it up has got to kick off. Well, right? yeah. <laughs> so, I was thinking three-way love, child. Um, so I was thinking I, um, the, like a bit of a barefooted hippie from the 60s. So I was thinking like sort of Sandy Shaw or Kate Bush type person. Okay. Uh, probably more Kate Bush, like because I sort of, dance like her <laughs> but without meaning to um so sort of that that side to me um but also i'm a bit of a boozy floozy so i was thinking about um eddie from ad abfab okay yeah yeah oh. nice one yeah and love food as well and i and so i was thinking a bit of nigella uh, in terms of like i love how she always goes up for the midnight snack <laughs> She's this, like, this is I, well thought through. Well, yeah, I, yeah, and I love how Nigella eats. Like she really, like, not afraid to make a bit of a mess and put a whole mouthful in. And like, she's not prim and proper when she eats, which I, I am attracted to. So um, yeah, I think I would be those three. They're, I think I'll go for Kate cool, Bush, yeah. Nigella, and Eddie from Ad Abhab. Okay, I mean, yeah, <laughs> very cool. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to immediately on, regret anything I say. I can tell. I'm going to listen to this back and go, why, why did I pick those? But <laughs> literally on the spot, the pressure has led me to Judy Dench. <laughs> wow. Who I think is a legend. Wow. She is. Cool. She is a legend. She is a legend, but I'm looking she forward to awesome. the explanation for this. Um, and to be honest, I think it's that, you know, just love life, carefree, brilliant performer. You know, that's what that's what I aspire to be one day. That's a, that's a takeaway from Judy Dench. She's, she's a great she's performer. A yeah, like I would, she I'd is love to be that. a very classy dame. She is yeah. classy, and I, I would love to be classy one day. <laughs> yeah. Not there yet. So, so she's the part of the gene pool. Yeah, <laughs> so she's she there. Yeah, I've got to put James May there because I think he's just—he's a bit of a twat, but I think there's an element of that coming in. <laughs> but in a kind I mean, of, of just... all the people, I wouldn't have picked anyone from Top Gear, <laughs> honestly. But I don't know. How it's... Judy Dench <laughs> and then Top Gear? <laughs> because it's you know it's the pros and the cons, right? That must make us human, yeah. And yeah, James... so you hit your con for but, sure. But, but yeah. I'm thinking James May on Oz Clark or James May on his stupid food YouTube videos, as opposed to the James May from Top Gear. You know that that kind of the entrepreneurial James May has gone out and launched his own gin and that kind of bit, oh, rather than the and James May the of the trio. And he was the most likeable out of the three of them. Yeah, and we have the though. same dress. I mean, that's <laughs> pretty <laughs> slim. <laughs> it's fairly faint praise. He's the most likeable of yeah. three terrible people. Well, there you go, <laughs> yeah. And then well, number three, I, I, well, I've gone with two quite old people, so I feel like I need to put some freshness in there, because okay. I'm not that old. Good, Justin Bieber? Justin Bieber, absolutely not. Uh, oh, who's that person who does high five? Sigrid, there you go. Let's, let's put Sigrid in there as well. Who is Sigrid? Oh my god, she, uh, I feel super old now. What, 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 what yeah, now I just Anyway, the listeners will who go. Is and then they'll think, okay, you have to that. Google who Sigrid is. Oh, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> but this is a terrible moment because you literally <laughs> launched this on me five minutes ago. And <laughs> now I'm, I'm all game here. But she's very cool. Yeah, yeah. Oh, what? Oh, my so God. So I think those yeah, three so blended cool. into one. It's kind of the weird figure I've I can actually see a you say facial similar. Like <laughs> oh, really? I do not see the facial similarity <laughs> whatsoever. 
She's got a lot of energy. If I get going, I've got a lot of energy. Give me a mic and I'll jump around the stage. I have no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> but to be to honest, after four glasses of wine, I'm going with those three. It has no common sense to it at all. I'm just on the spot and I thought <laughs> yeah. three people would so. Yeah, I took a swing and I mean, it came out you, as you two sound Judy Dench well, well, yeah, <laughs> and James Murray uh, and someone else. Yeah. Um, it's it's good, yeah. yeah. Okay. Anyway. anyway okay, yeah. right. So, uh, so who on, won? On that note, yeah. <laughs> shall, shall we talk results? I mean, you've had, you've had two natural whites and mm -hmm. two quite big uh, blousy reds. What, what, what's coming out on the top for you? Um, so are we, do, are we doing it like all four or yeah, just... Yeah, one single oh, winner. You, you one can single lead up winner. to it. Can we lead yeah. like a, like a preemptive yeah. ramble? It, it you can give it a long MasterChef silence if you want. Okay, so yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Let's see who's going home first. Um, so I'm afraid uh, of the reds, Ease Vino is going to have to go home first. Oh, yes. <laughs> so, really? Give me an explanation. I do it. Well, I think it's, I think it's, it's, it's very pleasant. It's, it's maybe, it's definitely less interesting. I think you need to get over your, over your Malbec fit. I, I have no issue with that. <laughs> also, he just gave us a straight Merlot, which I necessarily wouldn't have. All right, then I did say that I wouldn't necessarily have plucked that off the shelf. It's, oh, um, it's good. It's but good. I think that that ha is a little bit more interesting to me, especially like drinking now without food. You're right. Um, well, I don't know if you're right, but... I appreciate what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> but also, can we look at that bottle? Look how heavy, heavy yeah. and massive yeah. that is. Yeah. And how bad for the environment. That's and also the goats. true. That's. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, any glass, but I'm not going to get on the case. So. <laughs> okay. Oh yeah. 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 I think that the, right, the and also it I think there's a, a little bit of age on that, and it's. Uh, see, you're pouring it again. Yeah, no. The Merlot round two, yeah. just so the listeners know. Right? Just so I, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Sophia's like, how I mean, dare you pause herself another? If I could, if I could <laughs> lift the bottle, like, oh. it's very heavy. Uh, you know, gold is heavy as well. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fine. I, yeah, I thought it was nice. Okay. Um, <laughs> and then of the whites, it's, I would say it's a fairly easier distinction and I will definitely have to go with the Oregon oh. um, Canton Valley is beautiful this time though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm sure I'm sure it is, I'm yeah. sure it is. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I th but I think in terms of like and it, again we're drinking this cold we're not drinking this with food it's early in the day um, <laughs> <laughs> so I think I'm gonna have to go with the Oregon blend. Oh, yes! well, this is Sorry. just terrible. So, um... We are the champions <laughs> again. Right, right Chris. Uh, well, um, we look forward to inviting you back to have the right answer next time. <laughs> Fair. I thought you said invoice. We're looking forward to invoicing you for the one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's wasn't yeah. free, mate. Yeah, you, you picked the wrong one. Sorry, pick up the bill. You've had four glasses. <laughs> so in terms of what we should look out for, what's coming next for you? What's what's on the horizon? Is there things people should look for? Yeah, well, I mean, like I'm working on a couple of movies, and I've got a show that I've just set up um, in LA. So there's that, but. Primarily, I just I'm just starting a not primarily, but in terms of what people can actually read and, yeah. and take part in, I'm starting a newsletter uh, called right. the Artist Gym on Substack, which is really about because oddly in the pandemic I started mentoring a lot of writers, um, just people who were like you know aspiring because I wanted to kind of do something to help you know a lot of people kind of like reassessing their life choices and. Mm -hmm. I th what was interesting is that I thought that it was going to be um, telling people how to write, but actually that's not what I did with anyone. There were two things. One was that people had a huge amount of imposter syndrome that they, and I don't have that. I have, if anything, I have poster syndrome, <laughs> you know, and th the feeling that they just like, well, that's, I want to do this, but that's not for me. That's for other people. And how could, you know, who am I to mm. write anything? And I think there's a lot of the, uh, 
the time spent with a lot of these writers was about just convincing them that they had some, that if they felt like they had something to say that why not you it has to be someone why not you um and the other was the discipline and the rigor of writing so i come from a sport background so part of the artist gym notion was applying a more like athlete's mindset mm. to the pursuit of writing and the pursuit of art in general because i think that people have this misguided notion that if you want to pursue a career in art or if you want to pursue a career in writing you're sitting around staring out the window waiting for inspiration if inspiration doesn't hit then i guess you're not an artist or i guess you're not a writer but that isn't how it works mm. like i have a much more kind of like blue collar approach to it yeah mm. and so like no one if you if you dug ditches for a living no one's going to go to the ditch and go you know i'm just not feeling inspired to dig this ditch today <laughs> maybe tomorrow will be better yeah. you know and then i'll just wait for tomorrow no it's like the ditch has to be dug so when i start every day i'm very kind of like disciplined with the way i approach things so i will not leave like until it's done i there's no kind of like some days you're going to be better than others but you have to move the dial and that this also this idea that like if you don't nail it on day one you clearly aren't talented mm. or you clearly can't do this which is just not how it works because that's as if if someone says they want to write a novel but they've never done it before and then they sit down to write and it just isn't happening for them and they go well i guess this isn't for me yeah you wouldn't pick up a tennis racket and then go i guess i should be a professional standard like on day one no you like practice and you practice and you practice and eventually you get good enough that you can compete and it's sort of a, applying the same notion for some reason we have a, a kind of like this perverse notion that like you 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 somehow to be artistic or to be talented or to be to be a writer is innate mm -hmm. which no it's, it's you work at it exactly the same as anything else you might have like a natural like, gift like in some, a flair yeah a flair yeah i think mm. in the beginning i think the only thing that i i was definitely obvious in the beginning for me was that i was quite irreverent like i could i like a i knew my way around a witty phrase right but the actual structure and stuff that's all learned that's, took, mm -hmm. that's taken years for me to learn and now i feel i can i'll put myself up against anyone i'll take anyone i still got that that like sport mindset for that wow. it's like you put me in the That's ring good. i'll take you right <laughs> but that has come through and yeah i think you have to be very honest about yourself with that because in the beginning i was not that i was not good at this it took a long time to like to feel like not just that um you think you have something worth saying but that you can execute it as well as you hope you might. Um, and I just, uh, and I think that this, the whole purpose of the newsletter is to ba basically try to kind of dispel these myths of the way we think about inspiration and the way we think about application to this. Mm -hmm. And j just to kind of get people to like, if you want to do something, you do have to start. And once you start, you do have to finish because like the road is paved with the, half-written manuscripts of various novels because people they get to a certain point and when it gets hard they stop yeah. but when it gets hard that's when you find out whether you really want to do this or whether you don't mm. and if you really want to do this like i'm happy to help great so, that's awesome so how do people sign up remind everyone so um it's you can find it on instagram it's like the.artist.gym and it's on uh, the newsletter is on Substack. Okay. Right. So Thank when uh, when this podcast comes out, hopefully that will be up and running. <laughs> um, Excellent. But, Good. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think that, and also I think that there is with this kind of thing, especially um, if you're not born into it or you're not somebody's nephew, the notion that this, you know, the the the, the aspiration for this is that we're starting to build a community because there's strength in numbers, and if someone is trying and then you know someone else who is trying and there's you know someone else you it tends to galvanize it, it tends to galvanize each other and, and mm. people tend to find it easier when they're motivated by other people and there's some kind of like communal spirit towards yeah. the pursuit of this because this is hard and it, and it is a 
you know, a solitary pursuit. So the less solitary you can make it, I think the, the easier people will find it. Brilliant. Yeah, and like are that. you on Instagram? I am, yeah. You can you? connect with me on Chris underscore Paterana on Instagram. Awesome. Great, we'll do that. Thank you very much, Chris. <laughs> Thank nice you. Thank you for you. having me. Um, and we'll get you back on to choose the right wine, don't we? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Cheers. Cheers. Okay, so next week we have on Jager Wise. Yep, very excited. We're going to chat beer, her new book, and her new pub. So that'll be very exciting. Looking forward to it. Hopefully, I will get a win in this series. Wow. <laughs> you can always hope. I'm, I'm hoping. I'm hoping. <laughs> we'll see you next time. See you next week. Bye. This was a podcast produced by Ben Franks Wine and edited by Catherine Ag. To find out more, visit benfranks.wine.